0: Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm hoping you having a, a great day. Great day this Thursday morning. This morning we're going to talk about something I really enjoy talking about. We're going to talk about food, and we're going to talk about co-ops. Like, where does your food come from? What's in your food? Is it health or is it death? What's in it? How much do you pay for it? What's what is this whole food system all about? And today, we are going to talk to Dallas, who is on the line with us this morning. She is from COFED. Good morning, Dallas.
1: Hi, Vernon. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being on. Thank you for taking out time to talk about uh, two of my favorite subjects, food and co-ops. How did you get involved in co-ops?
1: Yeah, food actually led me there. Great topic, the both of them. I got involved in co ops, and I want to just start with I'm not actually in a co op right now. I am trying to build one with my own farm slash land stewarding project, but I think the beginning of this was just seeing uh, that capitalism is really scary and doesn't work for me. And then the specifics that led me to co ops were some education I got at Soulfire Farm regarding the history of cooperatives, especially for black people. Definitely, Jessica Gordon Emhardt's work and Monica White's work, both of their books, helped just illuminate so much beautiful history of power and autonomy in African American foodways that got me excited. So, all of this put me on a path to doing more studying seeing where I could support and how, asking questions about why more co-ops weren't in where I'm from, which is Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And that eventually led me on a path to getting invited to apply for the Racial Justice Fellowship at COFED, and this is where I really got involved in supporting co-ops. So let Um, let me back up a
0: minute. Let me back up a minute, if I could. mm -hmm. Dallas, were you in school when you found out about this? How did you find out about co-ops? What was the seed, the first thought? Where, Where did it come from? Mm -hmm. How old were you, if I can be so
1: blunt Yeah. Um, It was 2017, and it's 2021 now. So I was 24 at Soul Fire Farm doing the Black and Latinx Farmers Immersion, which is now called BIPOC Fire. So this is a week-long farm immersion program where we get hands-on training and do workshop style history lessons. And Somewhere one of those days from Saturday to Saturday, I was learning about black and indigenous cooperatization to help us, especially black people in the South, eat well and be able to pay ourselves, specifically things like Fannie Lou Hamer's Freedom Farm Cooperative. That really just ignited me and got me excited about the potential for being able to eat well because food, like you asked, is your food alive or it death food is still causing a lot of problems or the inaccess to food is causing a lot of problems for our people. So I would say Soul Fire Farm was where that started for me and struck my curiosity. Soul Fire Farm.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Is
1: that in North Carolina? That's in Grafton, New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And
0: how did you find out about that?
1: I found out about that from my dear friend, Asifash. We went to college together at Vassar. Um, She graduated the year before me and went to the same program um, the summer after her graduating. And for three years, she told me, Dallas, this application is open. You need to apply. The first year, I said, oh, this looks like camp. I don't have time for that. The second year, I said, "Mm, all right, this sounds cute, but I don't have time for this. I don't have money. And the third year, I just hated what I was doing. I was working for a nonprofit in Newark, New Jersey, really unhappy and feeling like I was not being true to myself. And I said, okay, I'll give this a try. Um, and so far it changed my life in that it gave me direction. I knew I wanted to be a land steward and actually learn learning about Fannie Lou Hamer and other black and indigenous cooperative food ways. I was inspired to create the Harriet Tubman Freedom Farm. So that's what I'm doing now. That was a four-year journey
0: um, from there to now fantastic um so a friend of yours invited you to go to this camp this so fire farm in new york upstate new york and it took you three years to get it but you got it and what's so interesting to me and why i talk about time is i think i was 49 50 years old before i learned about co-ops and i was managing Multi-family houses. I started a property management company in D.C. and I learned about housing co-ops. And so I really wish I had learned about co-ops much, much earlier, but I did not have it in my undergrad at Historically Black College, Masters in Math at Penn State and the MBA at Stanford. Nowhere did they teach about co-ops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. nowhere the department of agriculture is the only main that's the main group in the federal government that knows about co-ops because farmers use co-ops and they use them a lot and they've been using them since uh, i don't know beginning of time it seems uh, mm-hmm. they've been working cooperatively even if they didn't call themselves co-op so great you got it took you three years but you got it faster than most of us and you found your direction of life which is i find very very interesting so in north carolina uh, what part of North Carolina did you grow? Raleigh, did you say?
1: Rocky Mount, not far from Raleigh. Rocky Mount, Raleigh. Rocky Mount, okay. Yeah, Rocky
0: so in growing up, did you ever do any farming? Did you ever grow any flowers or your tomatoes or anything?
1: You know, actually, this was in my Soul Fire application for that program I just talked about. The first thing I remember growing from seed was a carrot. A farmer came to our our first grader or, or it's probably first grade class and talked to us about plants. Uh, we all got carrot seeds and I was so excited. I came home, got a play bucket, dug up some dirt from the ditch next to our house and put <laughs> it in my bucket and put the carrot seed in there. And it started to sprout. And then I came home maybe a week later and the bucket was empty. I don't know where my carrot seed was gone. Well, my seedling was gone to. It was traumatic. <laughs> um, I'm Sure. Be- you yeah, I was yeah.
0: very sad. <laughs> so. But what did you did your mom or somebody throw it out? Didn't get the,
1: I'm positive the importance. With my dad. I, yeah, I still don't know. It's a mystery to this day. And honestly, oh, he'll
0: he'll can't. never tell when he found out how you hurt yeah. how hurt you were. You know, he'll never tell.
1: <laughs> he'll never exactly. Tell. But actually, my mother was a very avid flower grower and always planted bulbs in the fall and spring. And I was amazed that, you know, I'd see her out there digging in the dirt with her gloves and her shovel, and then flowers. It seemed, you know, like a kid's time just collapses. Magic. It seemed like a few weeks, all these beautiful colors, and that just used to blow my mind every year. So it's in the family for sure. We've got tons of houseplants and, and that flower skill, which has always been intimidating to me, but I got over that last year. But they didn't grow up farming or close to any growers really, Um, as a kid, but we were always outside.
0: Yes, but your mom, you were close to a grower, and it's interesting that she didn't have your hands in the dirt, particularly with the trauma that you experienced. You had created Mm -hmm. something. You had developed something. You had nurtured it, and it had started to grow, and then all of a sudden it's not there. It's not there, and now you're devastated. Did did it bring tears?
1: It hurt. I think I did. Start crying because I was like, where is my carrot? What's going on here? Because I I checked on that thing every day. I was so excited. I wanted to know what it tasted like. I realize now I I should not eat that carrot from the ditch soil, but (laughs) (laughs) it would have been a beautiful process.
0: Okay, so your mom is the grower in your family. The farmer came by and introduced you in the first grade to this thing called farming, and you planted a carrot seed. Okay, mm-hmm. in your play bucket, in your play bucket, play bucket. yep, and dirt from the ditch next door. Okay, <laughs> I, got, I got the picture. So That's all
1: you need for people at home, ditch <laughs> dirt and carrot seeds.
0: Some kind of a seed, some kind of desire. Now, I want to jump all the way over to, are you now doing this to young people, trying to get young people involved like you were in the first grade?
1: Somewhat, I haven't gone to any schools, but with the pandemic and all, but I've I've been speaking virtually to students across the country as a farmer from representing the Harriet Tubman Freedom Farm, and I had a few events last year called Planting for Our Ancestors on the Land. So, quite a few babies did come out. They planted pecan or pecan trees, depending on where you're from. Several perennials got to taste things that I was growing: garlic chives, um, yard long beans. So I've had kids out, and that's something I'm really passionate about is having the young people come out and put their hands in the dirt and, you know, learn about those seeds and see what happens when they touch land.
0: So when you say young people, what age are those?
1: The kids I've had out have ranged from four years old to I think the oldest one's 11 so far. I would love to be working hands-on with older youth as well have not gotten there yet but that's definitely a goal
0: See, because i'm 73 i'm turning i'm getting 74 this year so when you were young at 27 so when you say young people okay those that's i've got a a great grandson that's almost four he's three but so oh, wow. okay okay so i i i gotta get some sense of just young and old because it's all relative mm-hmm. to where you are in life but what I've gotten most is, so far, is that the, the, the excitement you got as a first grader, fifth, sixth, five or six years old, uh, as a first grader when this farmer came out and introduced your class to growing something. Gave you a seed, you planted it, and something started growing, and you can remember that hurt. I bet you can taste that hurt now mm-hmm. of somebody throwing it away, probably your dad, but somebody, Throwing that old bucket. It wasn't nothing in there but dirt, you know, whatever. Ditch dirt, by the way. So, yeah. And now you are giving other people, young people, that same experience. What does that do for your heart when you have those young people out there?
1: It's so healing. I love it. My land is 10 acres, so people come out and I just see a twinkle in their eye. And especially with kids, they just start running i run too and it feels really expansive and free all right so you've got a
0: 10 acre farm
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay we're going to come back and talk about that but we're going to take our first break now dallas robinson communications director of CoFed, and you can go to co c o f e op c-o-f-e-d dot c-o-o-p and right on that first page you can hit the donate button and send some money so Dallas, is doing this break i am going to make a donation it's real easy uh, because i'm already a member of act blue and they already had my visa card up and everything so i'll do this in the next break everybody out there will be right back please do not touch that dial Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We have Dallas Robinson, a communications director of Cofed, on the line with us. During the break, I went to their webpage, it's yes, c-o-f-e-d dot co-op. And uh, right on the first page, you can hit the donate button. You see Cofed, then you see about, tools, store, and then donate. I hit that donate button. It took me right into an in act blue and you should have now somewhere in your world that I donated $200 this morning to you guys. I really like what you're doing. I get excited about your excitement of working with these young people to putting their hands in the dirt. And so well, now we're going to talk more about what you do, what this co-fed all about. But just very quickly, I remember there I two brothers, my dad would take my two brothers, three of us out, to what was about an acre my neighbor had and we were in West, Bluefield, West Virginia so it was on a hill and we had Mr. Hayden who had a horse and he would turn over the soil and he would break up the the sod and then he would with the horse make the rolls and then we would come back and put that seeds in that you were talking about planting that carrot seed and we planted corn and tomatoes and pole beans we had some others. I always wanted to grow watermelon or cantaloupe. We didn't do that in West Virginia, but the the best part of it I hated the weeding. I did. I hated that. But the best part of it was eating the food from yes. from. So it was harvesting, which was not like second best, but best part of it was eating that food. And there was a tremendous difference in that taste, tremendous difference. Mm-hmm. So yes, I grew up liking this and i was put it out here i'm looking for 10 20 30 acres and they tell me I, what i want to do i can do it on an acre or two mm-hmm. so i'm looking for some land to buy so i can get my hands in the soil i don't even want to call it dirt anymore Let on a ditch next door <laughs> uh, get in the soil and grow something to get that same excited excitement you got at five or six years old in the first grade to watch this carrot grow and then also the how to help other young folk, young and young at heart people, get the same same experience. So let's talk about what you guys do at CoFed. What what do you do?
1: Absolutely, we do a lot at CoFed. Um, I, I think our biggest and most exciting thing is just cheerleading and validating young Black Indigenous and people of color cooperators. So at CoFed, we are on a mission to partner with cooperators of color and especially LGBTQIA plus cooperators building their businesses, co-ops our businesses. So that goes through different education we offer, some one-on-one relationship development things, and honestly a lot of listening to people and seeing what they're going through and seeing how we can weave connections to the experts that we also know and love. The three of us co-directors, myself, Tia, and Suparna, are really passionate about seeing our people win and our people do well. And we understand a lot of the harsh realities that people are working through. So we offer several programs. We're adapting new ones constantly. We had a really successful year last last year generating funds and um, are looking to expand the ways we can do cooperative education that's rooted in love.
0: Cooperative education rooted in love. Cooperative Education Rooted in Love. Okay, I like that. So the team is Dallas, Saparna, and Tia. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to the webpage, it's cofed, C-O-F-E-D, like we cooperatively fed everybody, (laughs) cofed.coop, cofed.coop. And right on that first, if you hit about, you, you, it tells what they do, and then you hit the team, and you can see a picture of Dallas, picture of Suparna and uh, Tia. And you're in North Carolina. Where uh, is Suparna? Uh-huh.
1: Suparna's Suparna in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And Tia? Tia is also in North Carolina in, in Durham.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the team. So let's talk about your projects. You mentioned one or two. What kind of projects do you have? What are you working on?
1: Yeah. So we're supporting different cooperators um, across the country, which is really exciting since we're all across the country. A few projects and ways we do that are, for example, our program, BUD. BUD is Build, Unlearn, Decolonize. We do, like, acronyms at COFED. Build,
0: unlearn, and decolonize. Uh-huh. Bud, okay. Bud. Yeah. So I, I think of bud as like the plant that little carrot seed budding out, growing. Bud.
1: Yeah. And you There's say that's build. Okay. Uh-huh. There's always a double entendre. That's also the imagery we want to get. The bud program is specifically a cooperative education intensive five weeks that we transformed from our one week summer co-op academy, which was an in-person summer learning experience for different cooperative teams. So same um, sort of application process, but this time we were able to go bigger because we were virtual due to the pandemic. And we were actually able to break daily themes into weekly themes. So um, helping cooperative teams learn about how their cooperative can bud or build on learn decolonize. Through legal, financial, storytelling, and narrative building support throughout those weeks. So it was really fun, a great way to meet cooperators from all over the country. We went from California to the uh, Midwest to Northeast and Southern U.S.
0: So you're all over the U.S. building, getting people to unlearn what they've learned and then decolonize. And that colonization to me is what the British have all done all all across the world, particularly when they colonized the U.S. and brought in blacks and uh, indigenous people. They tried to enslave all of us, black, brown, indigenous. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if not enslave us, keep us poor so we're always dependent on them and they can can have uh, cheap labor and we have to buy whatever they produce, whether it's good for us or not. That's
1: exactly.
0: Getting us out of that. Love it. Glad I donated $200 to y'all. I try to do more <laughs> than, a little bit more than your normal. You said normal is $25. Everybody out there, please go to cofed.coop, hit the donate button, uh, learn about the group, and hit that donate button. And it's great if you give $10, 15 $20, $25 every month. It'd be wonderful to help these young people out. Okay. So that was Bud, Build, Unlearn, Decolonize, and it's a five-week virtual program now. When will you be sending out applications, or when can people go on your line to get an application?
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful question. We were thinking about starting Bud again this or, or do, you know, doing our next session this year, but we actually have some really exciting things going on internally, and in order to take care of ourselves as a three-person team, three very busy people were thinking about having bud happen again in 2022
0: well i want my 200 dollars back because i was looking forward to going into bud this year i want to learn all that you all are teaching
1: we're gonna plug you in another way vernon it's gonna be amazing but for that reason you did a good investment don't worry all right tell
0: me other ways you can plug me in
1: yeah actually mycelium which we're also going to talk about so this um this Mycelium is something I'm running that I'm really excited about and able to nerd out about. Uh, Mycelium is spelled M-Y-C-E-L-I-Y-U-M, as in yummy. Um, And this is a conversation we're turning into more practical events from COFED, which is rooted in the idea that mycelium out in nature, the cellular network of mushrooms or fungi, is our master teacher. This network is all over the planet, underground, inside of trees, building forests, generating beautiful soil. So for those of you who are growers, you know that you need mycelium in your ground for the soil to be healthy. It's very similar to our own gut health. We need that microbiology that we can't necessarily see to take care of ourselves, and the earth needs that as well. So mycelium is teaching us how each cell in that network or each co-op nourishes the whole and each other. And so we'd love to have you on, Vernon, as a, a mycelial co- coordinator. With all this work you're doing it would be amazing storytelling for our co-operators um, just to listen and sit with you. That's my invitation.
0: Well, fantastic. And I'm, I constantly want to learn, so that's why I was wanting to be to be a part of Build Bud so that I could learn from you guys and what you were putting together because I love this tool, the tools you have in your webpage, uh, particularly mm-hmm. one on co-op resources. And when you start talking about the you were talking about the sixth principle, cooperation among co-ops, this whole system of co ops and how we can work with each other. Mm-hmm. We gotta go to our next break. I don't I don't want to stop this conversation, but hey <laughs> We're going to take our next break. We're talking to Dallas, who's the communications director of COFED. We've talked about Bud so far. We talked about what got her in courage about growing things and budding things at a young age, first grade. And now we were talking about mycelium. We're going to come back and talk about other programs that they're doing. And then we're going to eventually get into some of the people and projects that they have been working on. So everybody out there, please go to CoFed.coop and make your donation. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oakes and the program is Everything Cooperative. We've been on air for seven and a half years now, and throughout that time, National Cooperative Bank has been supporting us both financially and in the cooperative spirit, giving us a lot of information about this whole co-op ecosystem that Dallas and I are going to talk a little bit more about here. But the NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And we've had Mr. Chuck Snyder on a couple times and people in NCB, in, in and they do an excellent job of working with low-income communities. And that's where you find a lot of black and brown folk people, indigenous people in these low-income communities. And so that's why the Congress helped them to get, well, put laws and have funded them to get started in the 80s, and they've been doing that work, and they've been wanting to get this message out about co-ops, which Dallas and her group of folks are doing. So Dallas, before we took the break, we were talking about co would We'd gone over bud and what that's about, and you were talking about mycelium. So tell us a little bit more about what that is. You said that it's about, I got mushrooms, and it happens exactly. out in the forest like it happens in our gut, that we need all of this stuff so that things will grow and work right. Mm -hmm. So this ecosystem is what you're – tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so like you were saying, cooperation amongst cooperatives being that that principle number six in the cooperative values. The idea is that we at COFED can generate these kinds of conversations and just foster more of that networking between our co-ops. Because especially for black and indigenous and people of color run co-ops, we're often – few and far between. So it can it can feel difficult and hard to just do the work in general, but then the added layer of where are people like us? Where do we connect with people doing similar work or people who can fill in gaps here and there can be even more of a burden for us to connect to each other. So we see it as a beautiful opportunity at COFED to say, hey, we are working with some amazing people in the Bay Area who are transitioning uh, an urban garden into a hopeful food hub. How could we link them with our beloved in Atlanta, Georgia, doing pecan milk? Is there a way to bridge those connections? Are there answers to their questions that these two groups could fill out for each other? And what my ceiling is going to look like for now is virtual conversations, um, sharing celebration, sharing learning, sharing questions amongst co-operators. Um, I'm personally curious to see who all is in our network and who we don't know. So this is one way we're trying to foster that principle.
0: Okay, so it's great that you're on the show because 12 years or so ago, Dallas, I figured out what I want to be when I grow up. Now, I haven't grown up yet. But I figured out that what I want to be when I grow up is a promoter and developer of co-ops, because I have found that that is the the, if not a, economic answer to the problems that blacks, browns, mm-hmm. indigenous people have faced in the U.S. And mm-hmm. the whites, poor whites, when I grew up in West Virginia, poverty, it doesn't discriminate. it don't mm-hmm. care. And i got to tell you that one percenters, they don't care if you're white, black, brown, women, what religion, what politics you have. They don't care. They want you under their thumb so they can make money off of us. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to talk about and promote this whole thing about cooperation. And you already mentioned Jessica Gordon-Nimhart and the work she did at Collective Courage. And people can go to our web page, www.everything.coop, and you can hear her and you'll hear Dallas in a week or two. She'll be up on uh, what this program is all about. So my life mission now, what I want to be when I grow up is to do this number six principles a month, hook each other up. And Jessica okay. found out that every civil rights leader you can think of has been into co-ops or they've been affected by cooperation. Hmm. Everyone and, and and she even said in her book, Collective Carriage. I really encourage you to go get that. Those out there that are listening, read that book because you'll find out that the Underground Railroad, and she named it the first I heard, was nothing but a co-op. People yep. putting their resources together, have a, a community problem. That community problem was slavery. And mm-hmm. folks, white folks, put their resources together and help to solve that problem, getting people to freedom. Okay. So that's why I donated to you guys. You're doing what, what my mission is. That's what you're doing. And uh, if you go on their webpage and look under tools, you'll see Bud. But I see something called Racial Justice Fellowship. What is that? And you already mentioned mm-hmm. it because that's how you got involved in this. Right. So what is this Racial Justice Fellowship, and how does that work?
1: Yeah, so that's our, that's our education training and information piece, going back to the cooperative principles. The Racial Justice Fellowship is a six-month-long program where it's an applied-to program. Young, hopeful cooperators, or maybe people are already cooperating, are looking to do a project related to land and food justice. Again, with the emphasis on Black and Indigenous people of color. And we are really excited. This last year, we were able to go up from two fellows, which is what we've had for the past few years, to three. And these projects are self-determined, so it's fellowship process where the fellows come in with an idea, work on it for six months, and obviously beyond that, six months is not a lot of time at all. But our goal at COFED is to really foster and develop a sense of leadership and autonomy inside of this land and food project and help people develop their racial, gender Ability, justice, understanding. So it's a shared learning process for the both of us in, in terms of myself and the fellows that we worked with. Some examples this year, we had Yadi from Chicago building a grow kit, which was a box from recycled pallets that they're turning into an indoor grow space for low light apartments specifically answering a community issue of people who live in Chicago in the urban setting with not much outdoor light and hardly any access to land. So how do we bring land indoors so people can grow something, whether it be herbs, lettuces, kales, um, and be able to eat? And like you were saying, planting those corn seeds back in West Virginia, that flavor is totally different when it's grown from your own hand. Yadi wanted people to eat well and developed a beautiful prototype over the six months while learning about racial issues involving urban planning and things like that throughout the fellowship.
0: Okay, so that is your program. Listen, you have mentioned principles. You've mentioned principle five. There are seven co-op principles. You've mentioned six and five, five and six. So just very quickly, the first one is volunteer and open membership for a co-op. So if somebody has their name co-op, they ought to be open to anybody. Second is Democratic member control, one member, one vote. Third is member economic participation. More often than not, you put something in, and in, and when there's a profit, you get something out. Autonomy and independence, you own it and you control it. You must have that. Number five is education, training, information, and this is what your your uh, program is doing. Your racial justice fellowship is getting this six-month training to people. That's number five. Number six is cooperation among co-ops. We've already talked about that. And number seven is concern for community, and that's in the DNA of co-ops this is c- concern for community. And that's the seven co-op principles, and that's what you're all about. Okay, so that's your racial justice initiative and you were one of the two fellows several 4 years ago
1: it was 2019 okay I was a, a couple
0: years ago and now you did 3 last year what was the difference to go from 2 to 3 and i assume that's the amount of money what's what is the difference yeah. how do you get from 2 to 3
1: So our budget wasn't used to travel this year. We had the fellows come in person in 2019. For example, myself and Chris and the other racial justice fellow were able to come join the Summer Co-op Academy Group, which was the cooperative teams, be a part of that session. We also went to things like the New Economy Coalition member meeting. So because there was no in-person stuff last year, we had a bigger budget to push towards something else, and we chose to have a third fellow. It was really interesting to see Three different fellows literally from across the country. Our fellows were in California, Chicago, and New York. And so just the different community uh, problems they were looking to solve. We had our Brianna in California working on a farmer's market at a preschool. Uh, Chicago, Yachty was doing that grow kit. And that project turned into I want to start a farm on some land my family has. And then Maya doing this amazing black and indigenous food waste curriculum in new york city called deep roots r-o-u-t-s-t-e-s
0: so i love it really really excited about what you're doing on your web page after racial justice in your toolkit you have training and cons- consultation so what do you guys do for training what, and consultation consulting people what mm-hmm. is that about
1: yeah that's um Suparna's wheelhouse, most definitely, but I'm also starting to start some of these myself. And these look like a lot of conversations. In the past we we did have some more formal sessions, so ranging from working with groups directly or presenting at conferences. And Suparna is in charge of most of that. She is our curriculum master and just makes amazing connections with teaching people and one of my favorite programs that she did was how capitalism wears you out and here's some antidotes to not be destroyed by capitalism at the new economy oh. member coalition meeting
0: oh that sounds wonderful again that sounds like something mm-hmm. i want to know about okay so you do some consulting and then on your webpage, the next thing i saw was co-op resources 101 And that I've already said I like that a lot. A lot of the resources of like the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops, Center for Family Life, Green Worker Co-ops. So how do you work with these groups? There's a lot of groups you have on here, a lot of different Mm -hmm. resources.
1: Yeah, building um, relationships is the main one. We, Especially this past year, I've been with COFED since last May. Um, So a lot of these relationships I have not personally fostered and built, but um, Suparna and Tia have been around longer and just have been reaching out to people. These are two really well-connected human beings that are interested in, oh, what are the things that we don't know how to do and can't do and who does know how to do it? And how do we bring them on? Um, A lot of the people we partner with, we ask to come and co-facilitate at BUD. So, for example, I said we offer legal and financial training. Um, We were able to partner with some people from a bookkeeping cooperative to teach financial literacy in BUD. So these are examples of how we partner with people in the new economy space.
0: Okay. So an idea... Uh, impact conference, the uh, NCBA Clusa is having their impact conference. Cooperative impact, how co-ops impact the U.S. economy, the people in the in the U.S. It doesn't talk a lot about how capitalism hurt us, but that would be interesting. So, have you thought about uh, you guys having a panel there, a discussion there about the work that you do?
1: I'm not sure. We haven't talked about that as a team as far as I know. Um, I know that Suparna is presenting at some other conferences coming up, and we may have in the past. This is not my wheelhouse again, but I would love to see us in more circuits if that feels good for us. We really like focusing on our co-ops in our network as well, so I think these conversations are important. and I know we're capable of having them.
0: Okay. I would like to see you there if you're not there. Their timing for putting in proposals for a panel or time is is come and gone. And they they have been dealing with racial justice. So Mm -hmm. they have a young folk group and – They've helped to give scholarships to people like you to come when it was in live, but now it's virtual. They still have this young people group that all three of you all would probably fit in, a, in a age-wise. But th- th- there's a lot of room there, and, and, and Doug O'Brien and the folks at the NCBA are very, very helpful and good. So we're going to take our final break, and I want to come back and talk about CoFund and some more examples of what you guys have been doing. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Your news talk station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oakes. The program is Everything Co op. And we have Dallas Robinson on with us this, today. She's a communications direct, director for COFED. And you can go to COFED.COOP to get information about them. We've been talking about the tools. We talked about their program, BUD, uh, Build, Unlearn, Decolonize. We have talked about the Racial Justice Fellowship. They do some training. And consulting to group, and they have a lot of resources in their Tooth group. Uh, we've also talked about mycelium, which I really like looking at the whole ecosystem, and that's going with the f- principle of cooperation. But co fund is some is something else that's on your webpage. What is that, Dallas?
1: Yeah, the co fund we're so excited about. We'd had a dream for the last two years, I think, to. Be able to leverage our privileges as a nonprofit into redirecting stolen wealth to the people who deserve it, which we believe are BIPOC cooperators, especially those working on land and food justice. And this is our co fund, it's our first ever regranting program. This year, uh, about a month ago now, we were able to award 14 different cooperators from across. United States ranging from Hawaii to the U.S. South with $5,000 and a year's worth of technical support, business support, and um, different tools and resources that we offer in general. So I'm really excited to develop a relationship with these awardees. We want to keep expanding the rounds of the co-fund and hope to increase the dollar amount as well. We, we know $5,000 helps, but it's it's not all that everyone is owed. So that's another reason we're grateful for your donation. We're talking about it right now in our inboxes and we hope that people will invest in their co ops in this way as well.
0: So let me get this straight. Now you, you said now there's that fourteen different projects or fourteen different people that have something that they want to do with cooperation in this whole food ecosystem. Okay, from, from planting it to eating it, this whole, whole system, uh, distributing the food that is planted, uh, how you get your soil together, how you get the right seed, uh, all of this, water, fertilizer, everything that it takes to grow it, harvest it, cook it, this whole system. Okay. Did you give each one of them $5,000 or the total amount was 5000 Each one, 5000 Wow. So again, uh, my arithmetic—that's seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You are all—you right. were able to raise seventy thousand dollars to get fourteen people.
1: Yeah, how did you do that? This was this <laughs> this was a beautiful combination of um, grassroots funding and grants we applied to. So I want to kudos to Suparna. She's an amazing grant writer, and is always busting her tail. I feel like every time we talk, she's like, yeah, I'm applying five grants right now. Just casually dropping that information. <laughs> five, um, okay. Yeah. So that happened. And also acknowledging the reaction of last year, a lot of people started turning their attention to supporting Black, Indigenous POC organizations. So That's a lot of where our funding came from. And then there are people who have been around and supporting us that wanted to give to CoFed last year as well. So that that big push and increase in dollars really helped us to get this off the ground, and it's something we've been thinking about since before summer of 2020.
0: Okay, so this little black boy from Bluefield, West Virginia, uh, who ended up at a Stanford and now has some condos that I'm selling, if I get one sold, I want to make a larger donation. I've been, I've been blessed and I got, God has blessed me so I can be a blessing to others and what you're doing. I cannot mm. tell you how excited I am about what you're doing. I did. So I'll show you in a, a much larger donation than $200 for, for this purpose. Thank you, though, Vernon. For this purpose yeah. of helping okay. these groups. So now tell me in the audience out there that you said there were 14 of them. Give me an example of a couple of these from Hawaii to, who are they? What what's some examples? What were they what are they doing and what did you fund?
1: Definitely. So we have for example Heal with the Land is uh these are Bud Alum and they are going to be starting a healing collective art and residential retreat space in the Delta region of Tennessee. Being from the South, I'm super excited about this like I dream of my land being a healing space. And so to know that other people are looking to go, especially into a region that's been so attacked, uh, but has so much fertile, beautiful healing energy. We wanted to invest in Heal with the Land, really a fan of them and love them. We have Kahale Mahiku, which is going to be using their money to purchase machinery and a truck. They're based in Hawaii and a family run farm. And this is one of the only indigenous family-run cooperative farms on the island, so I'm very excited to support this. And then, what's another group I'm really excited about? Just a shout out North Carolina, the Earth Seed Land Co- Cooperative, which Earth is where we Earth had our
0: Seed with Earth Seed Land, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Cooperative this is a black and brown-run, family-owned and operated land co-op. So they have both a farm and all this beautiful acreage that they live on. They offer all types of fun healing events and retreat space. I know they uh, have capoeira happening at the land, and they grow food for the community and work with elders to save sweet potatoes that have been bred for 50 years. Just really beautiful things happening here. And this is in Durham. And it's a beautiful intergenerational project as well. So they are looking to fortify how, to do co-op structures in terms of housing and offer that education for people. So those are a few examples of the co-ops we've been able to support and have relationship with. And one more thing about earthseed that's where we had our summer co-op academy back in 2019. So these are some people we have new connections with, some people we've had longer standing connections with, and it's just really beautiful to be able to keep nourishing each other.
0: Wow. So we are living in I I call it six pandemics right now. COVID-19, racism which we've talked a little bit about, uh we have a poor economy based on I say racism and covid. We have uh climate change and all of the fires and things that are happening in storms could be drought in this farming uh, we have guns, folks killing each other. That's five. And then we have stupidity. To, to me, stupidity is worse. And you're trying to get more people to understand life and and life lived in a better way through this ecosystem. Uh, how do you see what you're doing that's going to help us on the other side, at least a COVID pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think the long-standing, like I said, rooted in love education. I think that's what lasts. I, I was talking to some cooperators just two weeks ago, and the woman I was speaking to was telling me that she she just realized in our conversation that she wanted to feel validated in her experience, and that's, that was what was really energizing her to continue doing this work. I think what's going to help us beyond all of this, you mentioned the stupidity, is prioritizing our self-actualization before, you know, all this other stuff we're told to get our ducks in a row about. But I see cooperation as an opportunity to say, oh, this is my community, this is my place in the community, and here's how I can keep expanding. And I think what we do at COFED is say you as an individual are so important to the collective and so valuable to the collective that we're not going to leave you behind. We're going to move at a pace that lets you feel nourished and allows us to be nourished and reciprocate nourishment. And that is such an, it's, it's antithetical to capitalism, but it's also not only relevant because of capitalism. I hope that makes sense. I I think our work Mm -hmm. is so much bigger than the oppressant.
0: So I'm hearing you, you say the self-actualization, and what it made me think of was Dane Pauline Green, who was the president of our International Cooperative Alliance, said that co-ops help people come out of poverty with dignity. And mm. you've talked about that dignity portion, whether it's out of poverty or you could be wealthy with land and other things. But the self-actualization, that self-actualization, that validation part that that lady was talking to you about of self-worth is what you can get out. Of. And that's what I'm hearing you say that you all are helping people to get your getting and you're helping people to get this sort of here's the worth of being a human being, black mm-hmm. and or brown. And the capitalists have tried to take that worth away. Last minute, what do you want to leave people with?
1: Cooperation is our culture, and our culture is nourishing.
0: Cooperation is our culture? Culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And our culture is nourishing.
1: Yes.
0: All right, everybody, you've got it. You've got it from Dallas Robinson, Communications Director of COFED. I'd want to leave you with go to cofed.coop, hit the donate button. Well, you learn about them. See how you might. There may be some other ways you want to get in that you want to grow. You want to find out how you can get this little box and put it into your apartment and grow something. Or you may want to buy some land like I'm looking to do. And I get Dallas and her folks to help me to figure out how to grow things. Thank you very much, Dallas, for being with us. Everybody out there, please have a wonderful week and live cooperatively.